God, we are very well aware that that we're about to unpack and wrestle with is a feeding ground for the enemy that the scriptures say uh, prowls around this world looking to kill and to destroy. But we're also very well aware that the scriptures tell us and our experience and our faith tell us that you win the war. And so as we kind of open up this box of mental illness and suicide awareness, uh, our prayer is that you would uh, wrap this entire building with your presence. Our prayer is that you would station your heavenly hosts on every corner and that they would raise up the shield and the sword to fight on our behalf. And as we discuss, I pray in the name of Jesus and by the power of your Holy Spirit that you, great God and King, maker of all creation, ruler and giver and sustainer of life, that you would make your way throughout every single seat and aisle in this room. And for those who are listening online, and that you would speak truth. And that where there are lies, where there are struggles, where there are strongholds, you would tear them down. And so we love you. And in a, in a very uh, way of, of awe and reverence, we come into your presence. So please speak to us, and we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, if you're a guest or visitor, you might be like, what the heck is going on? Uh, what have I gotten myself into? Uh, we have uh, decided to uh, address the topic of mental health and uh, suicide awareness. Uh, it's not just for uh, in the church. It's uh, for outside of the church. It's inside of the church. And uh, one of the big reasons that's uh, kind of pushing this is we... Uh, believe that this topic, along with many others, should be addressed before there's a significant issue or incident uh, rather than afterward. Uh, a lot of churches will uh, hold a, a seminar like this or, or an interview like this uh, after a tragic event uh, or, or an incident, and we don't want to do that. We want to be a, ahead of the game uh, and start talking about it uh, as a church and, and see where the Lord uh, might might take that. Um, I was going to have uh, index cards for all of you, but I decided to do something different. Uh, if you have questions, uh, or you would like clarity, or you have pushback, or you want something unpacked a little bit further, what I'd like you to do is email me, uh, and my email is pretty easy. It's brian at rockcreekchurch.org. Uh, Brian at rockcreekchurch.org. I want you to email me any question, and that's for any student, any adult, uh, maybe that is stirred because of this morning, uh, because of this morning's conversation. Please email me those questions. What we will then do as uh, Dr. Mark and uh, Trevor and myself and the elders will put together uh, an answer to those Q&As and then send it out to the entire church, whether you submitted a question or not. Um, because you might be interested in a question that was asked by someone else. Does that make sense to everybody? Brian, B-R-I-A-N, at rockcreekchurch.org. Uh, so, 
Uh, we're going to jump in. We are privileged to have Dr. Mark Mayfield of Mayfield Counseling and uh, Trevor Sharon. Trevor is, uh, he's going to share his story, but he's uh, pursuing his master's degree and then his PhD in counseling, but he's also my nephew. <laughs> uh, and so uh, unbelievably proud uh, to have held him as a baby and now him after his journey. And you'll hear a little bit about that. Uh, uh, here this morning. So, uh, Mark and Trevor, glad you guys are here. For those of you who are listening online, uh, we're sitting at a table uh, and just going to have kind of a candid conversation with uh, Rock Creek Church. Mark, why don't you give us just a quick synopsis of who you are, and then uh, Trevor, do the same. Yeah. So, uh, grew up in, actually was born in Ventura County Hospital, uh, where you're from, and grew up in Santa Barbara County. Uh, moved out to Colorado in uh, when I was 10, and kind of my, my journey, my story, uh, my struggles began after the move and into middle school, uh, which I'll talk a little bit more about uh, later. Um, but started out as a youth pastor and got to pastor, uh, so worship and youth. Where's, the, where, where's Alex? Where's Alex? <laughs> I, I was Alex up there. Up there you the go. Nest. So Alex, I did that for four years, but I did it in Breckenridge, Colorado. So, uh, you, you know, good place to, to serve and yeah. ski and that kind of stuff. Um, but had some struggles there where we had uh, some of my youth group uh, really came against uh, some pretty significant struggles, uh, overdose, suicide, and that kind of stuff, and was not equipped with my youth ministry and biblical studies degree, so felt God calling me to go back to school, got my master's at Denver Seminary, and then my PhD at Walden University, and just uh, have a, still, have, still have a pastor's heart for this topic and, and really equipping the church to do better. And so uh, just honored to be here. And uh, um, my, my wife and my daughters are here as well, and uh, we look at this as kind of our family ministry as we uh, unpack this for Colorado Springs. Awesome. Uh, like uh, Brian, I'm going to switch between you calling call him Uncle, Uncle Brian. Brian. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, I grew up in Illinois for the first six years of my life with uh, Brian in town, and it was awesome. And then moved to Colorado Springs in 99, uh, and... Uh, struggled in my childhood with ADHD and dyslexia and behavioral issues up the wazoo. Um, and then in high school, things took a downturn towards depression, some significant self-harm, suicidal ideation and attempts, um, finally climaxing at a Thanksgiving event with Brian in town. And um, I'll share a little bit more about that story later on, but um, some significant spiritual warfare and significant mental illness in my story. Uh, and fortunately, God came into the midst of it and parted the clouds and um, provided me a miraculous freedom from a lot of the bondage that I was in. And uh, from there, you know, just continued being foolish and got into other stuff uh, through college, spent seven years doing that, and uh, finally felt my calling towards counseling a couple years ago um, and have been pursuing that sense as quickly as I possibly can. <laughs> yeah, uh, for some of you in this room, you'll, you'll be like me where uh, the struggle hasn't been your own, but you've, you've kind of walked it and, and lived it with someone that you love dearly, and uh, this is an interesting... Um, emotional time for me having walked uh that journey with trevor and like you said being there that night um 
and uh, and kind of living that nightmare uh, for both of us. Yeah. Um, but then to be here, and so th this morning's going to be a little bit uh, about the realness of of the struggle, but also some hope. And mm -hmm. and I hope you seeing uh, Trevor and I up here uh, this morning is a little bit of hope. I want to read before we jump in uh, further to the idea of mental illness. I want to read uh, Romans chapter eight uh, verses thirty five through thirty eight. And here's what it says. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or the sword? As it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, verse 37 says, in all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else, anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We'll be reading some scriptures throughout this morning and, and kind of addressing that from a mental illness standpoint. I just want to say as we're getting uh, in this initial stage is that if you are currently struggling with some form of mental illness or, or an inner struggle, uh, nothing can separate you from the love of your God uh, through Christ Jesus. Uh, and, and we cannot say that enough. Mark or, or Trevor, can you help us define, you know, we, we, we mention mental illness or we hear it on, on the news or we read it in the newspapers or on, on the internet. And some of us immediately just jump to, oh, mental illness means those who are depressed. But we know that it's a much bigger umbrella of what falls underneath that. Can you unpack just a briefly what, what does mental illness mean? Yeah, so I think there's a way that I really like to think about it. We've seen mental health and mental illness. And I, I prefer mental health because it's more positive <laughs> uh, and conveys a better message. But we've seen mental illness as asylums and the super crazy people and like, you know, Batman characters, essentially, um, <laughs> rather than people. And over the past uh, 20 years or so, it's moved away from that and into a realm where now we see it as mental illness and mental health are for people in crisis. This is for the mom who just found out that her son's self-harming or the dad who's struggling with depression. It's for the momentary crisis that we're in. And what we want to see is that mental health can become a thing for people. It's the same as going to the dentist for your checkup, uh, going to the doctor for your checkup. It's just a part of how we keep ourselves healthy. Uh, and that's kind of a wellness model of looking at ourselves as multifaceted people with different things that we need to keep sustaining to keep going. And so we at Mayfield Counseling Centers have really been trying to push counseling's for people. And we can all benefit from a safe place where there's no judgment and we can work through whatever we're going through, uh, mentally, emotionally, or in life, uh, and that we can all find healing in that. Well, I think, I think, too, we have to be okay with the word illness. And I don't like it, but it's, it's kind of, we've, we've pushed aside so much uh, the fact that if I'm struggling mentally and you can't see it. I don't have a broken arm and a cast Right, I don't have a, uh, a piece of paper that says I've got leukemia, or you know, uh, it's not that fi the visual thing. Uh, then th th there's something, there's nothing going wrong, right? You should be okay. And so I think there's this fine line where we have to see it as as 
you know, if it's a prolonged, ongoing, lifetime uh, struggle that has a neurological base, a physiological base, we do need to kind of uh, explore that idea of making it an illness in the sense that it's this it's not going to go away the way that we hope it would. Now, obviously, spiritually, we know that God can do anything, uh, miraculously come in and heal. But I think uh, we have to talk about it from a, from a health perspective as well, right? So it's this, it's this dichotomy of, you know, illness sounds bad, and I don't want to say that I have a mental illness because I turn on the TV or watch a movie, and those are the crazy people, like Trevor was saying, where it's not, I mean, we sensationalize everything in our country, right? I mean, you turn on a TV show, and you, I mean, if you were to ask anybody in this room or on the street uh, what their perception of, of mental health was, you might say, you know, uh, the movie Silent Hill or, you know, uh, Frasier or some of these shows where, like, they don't do a really good job depicting what counseling and what mental health is, um, but that's what we see, and so we create this perception that is damaging for those of us that are struggling. Uh, because we don't want to say, hey, it's me, I'm, I'm, I'm the one that needs help. So mental illness, mental health, mental wellness, I'd like to lump those all together. And if we could, re if we could rebrand that, that would be really nice. And that's kind of something that we're trying to do in Colorado Springs and then in, in some of our efforts uh, across the state of Colorado and in the country. Yeah, that's good. I'm going to make you well a little bit right now. Okay. Here. <laughs> there we go. Thank you. All right. I just touched his cheek if you're listening online because uh, his microphone was popping with his scraggly beard. Uh, what you guys just described, we all listen to it. We go, okay, that kind of makes sense. Uh, and it's not something really that's outside of the norm or, or something that's way off in left field. And yet it appears as if the church has been a distant I'll go as far as to say negligent in addressing mm -hmm. uh, this topic historically. And why? why? Why has the church historically been that way? That's a good question, and I think it's something that we all have to, as the church, right? Not the institution, but us individually that make up the church have to understand what about this topic uh, maybe makes us afraid what about this topic? I think we are afraid of what we don't know and what we don't see. Is that, can we agree on that? Uh, maybe not across the board. Everybody feels that way. But I think it's this idea that um, the more educated we become, the more that we understand it's an emotional, it's a physiological, it's a spiritual, um, you know, that makes up the struggle. It doesn't become as scary. But I think also, too, uh, is that if we know something about it, and this is where I, you know, as a former pastor and, and working in the churches, um, just helping with this conversation, there's a complacency. And I think the complacency is there is because if I have knowledge about something and if I uh, become equipped to do or to have that knowledge and that understanding, then I have to be the one that does something. And that's scary because I don't want to engage in other people's messes. Um, but that, isn't that what we're called to do? Mm -hmm. we're, we're called to take the message of the gospel which encompasses mental health. Uh, to those that are struggling and broken. And, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm going to read Isaiah 61 a little bit later, but just the idea of our, our call to model who Christ is by binding up the brokenhearted and bringing that, that peace to people. Um, Trevor, you, uh, in your uh, journey uh, and your struggle, uh, you were in the church. It wasn't like you were out of the church struggling and then you got better and came into the church. Yeah. You, were, you were in the church. And 
what was your experience in your own uh, anxiety, depression, ADHD, uh, suicide, contemplation, several attempts, et cetera? Was the church a place where, where you could wrestle with that? And if not, why not? Yeah. So I think it was yes and. Um, I think mental health has a lot of gray. And sometimes the church community doesn't do well with grays. We want a black or a white. We want somewhere where we can land. And um, we'll get into the discussion of the theological aspect of mental health later. But I think that was hard. Uh, I had a lot of people that gathered around me and tried to speak truth into me. And I'll go to, um, you know, 10 years ago, this November 26 um, was my attempt. And I had a huge support system around me of pastors and family and friends who were speaking love to me, uh, just saying, hey, we're here for you. We love you. We care about you. We want to do whatever we can to help you. And there was a wall around my heart and around my mind that I couldn't accept that. I couldn't believe it. Uh, it didn't connect with me. And I remember uh, knocking on my parents' door uh, after running away and uh, being stupid. And they opened the door. And I remember looking down through the house to the back door. And Brian was out there barbecuing, getting ready for dinner the night before Thanksgiving. And I can remember the look that he had as he looked up to the door. Um, and it was almost as if he knew exactly what was happening. And there was something in his eyes and in that look that spoke so much love and so much affection and so much hurt at what he knew had just happened. Um, and it was that moment that something melted away and I realized, oh, they meant it. They weren't just saying that, they actually meant it. But I think we hit a wall a lot of the times with um, mental health and our struggles where we're blind to the truth. And the truth was I had support systems and people who were caring for me, but I couldn't see it. And whenever we hit that wall, it's really easy for us to do whatever it takes to get past that wall uh, that may not be healthy or the best or to give up. Uh, and I think we have to be aware of that wall to be able to work with that um, and recognize that it may take a while for that wall to go away. Because I mean, it took, months and months and months and months of the same people speaking this, and what changed it was this moment of seeing Brian's eyes and that love. Yeah, and I, I can remember that, um, I can remember that night and, and seeing Trevor open, um, open the door and, and having this, uh, this feeling of, I might lose him, and, uh, and feeling hopeless, um, all of a sudden the church answers weren't enough, and uh, there wasn't any more prayer that could be happening in that moment. There wasn't a verse that I could go read over him or uh, anything. Um, he needed a hospital, and that led Trevor to uh, ten days uh, in a psych hospital. Uh, that was the beginning of. Uh, a pretty long journey, but one that is redeemed with with him sitting here today. And again, I just want to make sure that we're we're constantly wrestling with this. That it it may not be your struggle; it may be someone else's uh, struggle, but you have to carry it. And um, it's one thing to carry it 
as a family member. It's another thing to carry as a church member, right? We talk about being a family, and we'll get it more into that, that uh, you know, some of the next steps for us as a church. What is that? What does that look like? And it's super messy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Trevor that night was um, was pretty messy. Yeah. And um, and yeah, God was in that destructive moment um, in a in a very very powerful way. Um, help us understand this. You know, sometimes we can tend to think of uh, mental health <laughs> uh, or illness as a uh, momentary struggle. Uh, uh, especially as parents, we think, well, they'll just get over it. Mm-hmm. And, but there's also uh, those that have a disease. They're going to struggle with it their whole life. How do we reconcile that, uh, especially uh, both with adults and kids, whether this is just something I'm going through or whether I truly have a disease? Can you, mm-hmm. can you give some clarity to that? Well, it's, it's interesting because I wouldn't treat the two differently if that makes any sense. If it's an ongoing, prolonged, maybe lifetime, I'm struggling with anxiety, or it's situational anxiety that your teenager's going through, how I would handle that would be the same. Because even if we think, okay, this is just a phase that our teenagers are going through, um, it's still just as important and just as valid as if somebody was struggling with it for their lifetime. And I think we tend to overlook those momentary, uh, episodic struggles, and that's where we get in trouble. Uh, especially in Colorado Springs, we've had, uh, you know, uh, praise God, this year we've had uh, just, well, it sounds bad. We've had four suicides this last year. We had 42 the two years prior among 10 to 18-year-olds. And so it's, it's equipping parents to go, the episodic struggle is just as important, and, mm-hmm. and, you know, it might get teased out later. But I've heard a lot of parents talk about, too, this idea of, well, my kid will just get over it. I'm like, well, no. How do we help them get through it? Because as we get through things, we build resiliency, we, Brazil, we, we build grit, we build the ability to bounce back and to work through those issues. But to get over it means that we're just dismissing it. And uh, somebody that is in that midst of anxiety or suicidality or just feeling like they're a failure or they've, their, their boyfriend or girlfriend broke up with them or whatever, you know, whatever that looks like, it's very, very real in that moment, and, and we need to treat that as, as, as such. It might not make sense to us, and I mean, those of you that are raising kids, sometimes, most of the time, it doesn't make sense, right? But, but it, it's valid for them, and so entering into that mess. Um, but if you see it prolong, right, if there are things that happen where it's, you know, it's interfering with life, uh, grades are going down, uh, they're not sleeping well, uh, there's things that just, you know, in your gut don't feel right, then it's time to go seek out a pastor, a counselor. Um, you know, I am a medication as a last resort person, but there's med- times that medication needs to happen. I've been on medication for my anxiety and depression. Um, but it's not a one-size-fits-all, it's a journey. And I think if we just, if we don't look at it as a journey, uh, we're doing a disservice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's helpful. You know, there's there's a statistic from it's it's a little bit late, so the numbers are probably risen. But from two thousand uh, in two thousand and sixteen, one in five adults will struggle with some form of mental illness. Uh, so if you look around the room uh, and you start doing the math, it's a prevalent topic. Forty four point seven million people 
uh, ages 18 years and over. And that doesn't include those under 18. And something we talked about yesterday is that's more people than that struggle with heart disease or cancer. Uh, cancer. Uh, it's a it's a it's a topic. It's a it's it's an issue that we have to learn to address, both outside and inside the church, if we're truly going to be uh, healthy people. You know, when we talk about even mental health or mental illness, there's so many things that fall underneath that umbrella. Mm. Uh, it's not just one category, and so I'm just going to list uh, several here. There's more uh, anxiety, ADHD, autism, bipolar personality disorder, depression, eating disorders, OCD, panic disorders, PTSD, schizophrenia, social disorders, and the list goes on and on. And so mental health, mental illness, that umbrella is so wide that it's almost hard to find someone that doesn't fall underneath that umbrella. Well, and I would include disappointment, failure, and loss in that because we all we all can connect with disappointment failure and loss we've experienced that in our lives and the beauty of our profession and the beauty of brian's profe- uh, profession is that we get to enter into that disappointment failure and loss and we get to sit with you in the midst of that uh, and it's a safe place where you can experience that and especially with loss grief needs to be expressed it needs to happen uh, that a lot of um, the negative aspects will happen if you repress it. And so having a safe place that you can go and you can just experience that loss is a powerful thing. And I think we miss that when we look at mental health as for crazy people or people in crisis. If we look at it from the mental health of we all go to the doctor, not only when we're sick, hopefully, uh, but we go to see like, hey, how am I doing? Mm -hmm. If we did the same thing with mental health, if we went to see a counselor or a pastor and just said, you know, hey, this is what's going on in my life what are your thoughts? What do you think is going on? Am I missing something? That's a powerful thing to do. Mm -hmm. Well, along those lines, what are some, uh, for those of us in this room and listening online, what are some warning signs that uh, maybe we could do a little bit of self-inventory, but also being observant to our loved ones that are around us? Mm -hmm. What are some warning signs that we ourselves or someone around us might be struggling with some sort of mental health issue? I'm gonna preface that with something. And I think that what, what I've seen and what I'm gonna encourage you all to do is those that are in your life that you care about, uh, whether it be family members, friends, um, are you being a student of who they are? Meaning, do you know them inside and out? Do you know, uh, you know the term we use is, is, are you an old friend with them? Meaning, you know when they're upset, you know when they're struggling and you know when they're happy and you know all these types of things because I think if we're not that in tune to our families and our kids and our friends, uh, we aren't going to know when things are going wrong. But if we are that student that, uh, that is really leaning in and we have people doing that for us, when things start to, to go south, we start picking up on it sooner than later. And that's, I mean, Trevor and I talk about this a lot with our, in our staff uh, at Mayfield Counseling Centers is we hear this all the time. Well, um, their grades just dropped. They were a great student last semester and, and, and didn't put a whole lot of effort into it, and now they're getting C's and D's. Um, they haven't, they're having a hard time sleeping. Uh, sleep is an indicator for something wrong physiologically and neurologically, and that's something we have to pay attention to, whether it's we can't fall asleep or we're restless sleep, um, but sleep is, is a big deal. Uh, but eating habits... Um, 
they're more reclusive. They're not engaged in as much anymore. Or, you know, if we look each other in the eye and they, they don't hold my gaze, they look away. Those types of things are really uh, the, the basic brush, you know, the, the, the broad brushstrokes of, of things that are going on when something internally, we're not, we might not be able to diagnose exactly what's going on, but to pay attention to those kinds of things. And what we've seen with a lot of the suicides in the springs over the past couple of years is that the normal warning signs of suicide weren't present. Mm -hmm. um, we, you know, there's lots of lists of if this is happening, it could be this, and if this is happening, it could be this. And we're starting to see that blurred, especially with social media, because some of those signs present themselves on social media and we don't always see that. Um, and so that's where being a student of your friends, of your family, of your children, of your parents, is really important because that's the only way that we're gonna be able to see it. It's not as always, it's not as um, obvious as maybe it once was. Um, the lines are blurred a little well, bit. And I wanna throw this out there. When I say be a student, I mean it's, um, the statistic blows my mind. The average American spends 30 seconds a day looking into somebody's eyes. 30 seconds. And, and the eyes, the, the relational connectedness that we have with each other is through the eyes, and we can tell when something's going wrong just by looking at somebody, mm -hmm. if we have that relationship. And just, I mean, does that blow your mind that the average American only spends 30 seconds looking into somebody else's eyes? And it's a large in part due to our devices and those kinds of things, and so we miss the nuanced warning signs because we're not paying attention to what's important. Yeah, you guys uh, just talking right now makes me think of Psalm 139, uh, verses 11 and 12, you know, being a student of your loved one. Sometimes you need someone else to be the mirror mm -hmm. and go, hey, I see this going on. Uh, you're, you're in darkness, and you might disagree, but I can tell you it's true, and I'll, I'll read this, Psalm 139, verse 11 and 12. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me, and the light will become night around me. Even the darkness will not be dark to you, for the night will shine like the day, for the darkness is as light to you. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we need someone else mm -hmm. to pull us aside and go, hey, you're in the darkness. You're, I see X, Y, and Z mm -hmm. happening in you. How do I help? Yeah. Uh, but that, sure. to your point, that gets a little messy. A lot messy, yeah. Let's turn to... Um, uh, a theology of mental health. Um, how does a theology of sin, nature, um, and suffering play into the present reality of mental health? I know that kicks open Pandora's <laughs> box, uh, and we need to be yeah. careful um, to articulate appropriately, but I, I I don't think, you know, Dr. Tony Evans, uh, who's a great uh, pastor, says you can't address uh, spiritual warfare without first addressing sin. And I don't think you can really address mental illness without first addressing sin. Can you, can you help us theologically with that? I mean, this could be a conversation we could have for months on end and still kind of have that gray area piece. But uh, when I work with, with pastors and, and uh, uh, others, we talk about this idea that with original sin, you know, Adam and Eve uh, made that choice and sin entered into the world, but it didn't only affect, you know, our ability to make choices, it affected 
how our DNA is expressed and how our genes are expressed and how, you know, we're, as human beings, yes, we're created in the image of God, but we're, we're flawed because of sin. And so we have to understand that maybe this person that is struggling with mental illness, there's, no, there's been no choice made to choose anxiety or to choose depression or to choose the depths of, of that despair, but because of sin and historically throughout history, it's, it's, it's marred our DNA. Um, we struggle more than somebody else. Um, and as the church, we have to be really careful not to go, well, you, because of your sin. Now, if we're working with somebody and we see that their choices ha- are exacerbating maybe their mental health struggles, it's our job to come alongside and to love them to that realization instead of pointing our finger and saying, you, you, you. But let's think about it. We have... Um, our choices have consequences, right? Good or bad. And our choices can affect um, how our DNA and our genes are expressed, um, you know, historically and generationally. And I mean, that's a whole other topic, and we can give you resources for that kind of stuff. But I think for us as the church, we need to come up with a theology of suffering. What does suffering look like for us? Because there's nowhere in Scripture that I read that God says that life is going to be easy. <laughs> he says it's good and he's going to walk with us, but there's, I think we have an inversion to hard things. Um, and it's just maybe our human nature to avoid pain and to avoid suffering. But if we want to encapsulate a, a theology of care in our church, we first have to wrestle with this idea of what is suffering and how do we handle suffering. And that is sin, that is brokenness, that is choice, that is multifaceted in how we look at it. So let me now push back. There might be someone in the room or listening that, that hears that and goes, okay, that makes sense. If I'm indulging in behaviors that exacerbate my struggle, it would only make sense that I would struggle more. That makes total sense. There's also one who goes, I have prayed. Yep. Mm-hmm. I have been prayed over. Mm-hmm. I've been anointed with oil. I have seen counselors. I've been on medication and what the heck, I must be, this is just my lot in life, and I'm screwed, right. uh, essentially, um, because there's, there's a lot who have tried to not exasperate the behaviors and still struggle. Yeah. What say you? I think we see this, I mean, the argument and the discussion, in my mind, are so similar to our physical health and physical illnesses. Um, why, are, why, why do we have miscarriages? Why do we have people who are born with um, genetic diseases? Why do we have people who develop cancer? Um, I think this is all, I, and Robbie Zacharias has a lot of really good stuff on uh, freedom of choice and the uh, sin aspect of nature and how we see nature falling apart and groaning as in birth pains um, mm-hmm. in the midst of the fallenness of where we are. And we have to recognize that we, li- we are broken people living in a broken world. Um, and that we can help in the mending, but only God's able to fix. And um, it is a genuinely difficult struggle to discuss uh, because I think there are so few solid answers of why, and some of the answers that we do see in Scripture aren't always the most encouraging. Um, And, um, yeah, that's, that's what I see a lot in... This conversation. And one of the things I see too is that we uh, we have a hard time embracing the struggle. And and I I mean uh, part of my story is that um, you know I was 12 years old when I attempted 
uh, because of bullying and, and anxiety and, and depression. And, and I have prayed consistently that God will take away my anxiety, but my anxiety is consistently at a, a three, two or a three uh, out of a scale of 10 on a daily basis. And there's times where it spikes to a seven or an eight because of situational things. Um, but I think I've come to know God deeper because of the struggle, uh, where I don't look at it as, woe is me, why is this happening? Because that changes a lot of how we think mm -hmm. and how we engage in the world in, in, in the victim mentality But versus, okay, Lord, I'm going to be faithful in praying that you'll take this away. And if you don't, meet me in it. Mm -hmm. And let me get to know you deeper. Let me understand who you are deep, more, more deeply. Um, and it's been rich, but I think we can't experience joy to its fullest unless we understand pain. Um, and, and, you know, we look at, I think in our society, we look at good and bad emotions. What if we looked at emotions as just some are easier and some are harder, but they all are beneficial? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and to each their own, right? You might have uh, someone in this room, you struggle with anxiety, and, and the, the person across the aisle doesn't. And so they see yours as, well, I don't understand why right. you're anxious or someone has a panic disorder mm -hmm. or whatever it is, but to each their own, right? right. Uh, to bring that with the Lord. I used to, uh, when I was in youth ministry, tell students, don't wait until uh, your anxiety or depression is done before you uh, pursue the Lord. He <coughs> wants to enter into that really difficult journey with you mm -hmm. uh, through that uh, process. So don't, don't wait uh, because... Uh, at some point, uh, we have to address both, and that that really kind of we're we're unpeeling here, um, and and it doesn't get much easier, um, both as a uh, pastor and during all my years in law enforcement. What I saw um, with those who are struggling with some form of mental uh, illness or emotional struggle was that parallel to it was a spiritual crisis. And that what I often saw was an attempt to deal with one or the other. In other words, I have this struggle, so I just need to get a counselor and get on medication and then it all go away. Or I just need to pray more and have more faith yeah. and it'll go away. And yet what I saw in both my areas of expertise was most of the time, there's a parallel road running with both things at hand. Can you, can you mm -hmm. speak to how you see that, especially in the life of teenagers? Mm -hmm. Well, if you think about it, we are, we are uh, spiritual be beings in this world in physical bodies. And so it's, you know, if, we're, if we believe that we are created in the image of God, but it's not the way it's supposed to be, it's a yes and. It's always going to be a, a kind of a dual struggle. And I think it's hard for, I mean, um, as Mayfield Counseling has, has grown, we've chosen purposefully not to be a Christian counseling center because we'd love it when people come in and meet the Holy Spirit, whether they realize it or not. But it's, it is really difficult to work with those that don't have a, uh, a biblical worldview to get them to the point where we see them needing to be. Now, obviously, we look at our, our job as we're, you know, the planting the seed or tilling the soil, and, and hopefully somebody else will pick up that uh, down the road, but it's so life-giving when I'm sitting with a client that is, um, we've worked out a lot of the, the, the mental health struggles, and they're now going, but I know my spiritual life is not where it needs to be. Can you help me with that, too? And it's this beautiful culmination and pairing as we move forward 
uh, helping them become more like Christ in that. Um, but we do get, and this is where we, you know, the black and white thing comes into play, is that we, it's a lot easier for us to conceptualize its spiritual or its mental health, and, um, and it's a lot messier, going back to that term, <laughs> when we go, it's, a, it's both. Yeah. And so how do we, and so I feel like when I'm in session sometimes that I'm, like, I have split personality because I'm praying to the, you know, I'm, I'm praying, I'm listening to what my client is saying, I'm you know, having my answers, I'm dialoguing, but it's really going, okay, Holy Spirit, Lord, what do, you, what do you want for this person? All my training means nothing if I'm not leaning into to you and who you are. There's an incredible quote by A.W. Tozer, uh, and he says, we are eternal beings longing for permanence in a world that is constantly reminding, of, uh, reminding us of mortality and change. I think in our lives, there's this tension that we have between what we want, what we believe should be, and what reality is, what we're longing for, and what we're seeing. And we see this in mental health a lot of, I'm doing everything I can. I'm doing all of the coping skills. I'm working with this person. I'm doing everything I can, and nothing's changing. Um, and this is a challenge that, even to this day, after you know six years of thinking about it, I'm struggling with of holding things in tension and being able to see the beauty in the tension. Because there is beauty in that struggle. Mm -hmm. uh, we see all throughout scripture that the, the martyrs and the persecuted are the ones that God is so close to. God is close to the brokenhearted uh, and he will bring um, peace to suffering. And so if we can allow ourselves to embrace that tension between what we want and what we see and are able to invite God into that moment, I think we see a beautiful um, peace that transcends understanding in the midst of that. And I think to Mark, what Mark was saying, I was in a group counseling um, a group uh, with several individuals, and there was one guy that was very, very similar to me in my struggle and our stories. He was a couple years ahead of me in my story, um, and he was totally unwilling to accept the existence of God. And I'm not saying that this is the primary difference between us, uh, but there was a very visible difference in our stories where I am today and where he is now because I was willing to bend my knee before God and to surrender to that, mm -hmm. to embrace the tension of what I was feeling and to welcome God into it. And he was unwilling to accept the existence of a merciful God. Um, and he is still to this day, I mean, we've, we've talked uh, off and on, um, I don't think about self-harm very often. Like, I'll think about it in my really dark moments, and it's a warning sign to me, like, okay, I need to, I should probably change something about what I'm doing. And he has said, to this day, he thinks about it every single day. Um, and I think we see that God is really the only one who is able to fix yes. the broken, um, we don't have that power. That's good. Uh, let's talk about uh, suicide awareness. Mm -hmm. um, where do we even start um, when we address being aware of suicide, being educated on suicide? Um, for the church, where do, where do we even start that? Mm -hmm. So I, I use this analogy uh, when I'm talking, uh, and I'm, if your spouse were to drop divorce papers on your table today, 
is it almost too late? Right? I mean, let's be honest. You can come back from that, but it's almost too late if they drop divorce papers on your table. I think the suicide conversation is very similar. If we talk about suicide prevention after a suicide attempt, it's almost too late. And so the fact that I'm just impressed with Brian and, and, and your church and just your heart for this community is that we're having this conversation and there's not been an issue, right? We're having this, this upstream prevention talk. And, and, and Trevor and I and a, another a partner in Colorado Springs have created a curriculum called Who Can Relate, which is the videos that Brian shared on social media. But it's this upstream, let's talk about it, let's talk about mental health and mental wellness, and let's talk about community, and let's talk about coming together. Uh, that is the best place to start. And, and, and if you wanna think about personally, it's going, okay, I've got teenagers in the house right now, and maybe I don't know myself well enough or my emotional status well enough, so I'm gonna go get counseling. That's an amazing place to start because you're getting yourself healthy. I never, and this is something that just breaks my heart, I never want to talk about suicide after someone has attempted or taken their life because I feel helpless, I feel hopeless. There's, mm -hmm. there's we could have saved, we should have, you know, there's those could haves and should haves. But doing this and being comfortable with talking about this topic as a part of our daily lives, as a part of our, as your life as a church and the community that we live in is the best thing that you can do. Now, we can get down to the nitty gritty and I can talk about, you know, the six signs of suicide that I, I feel like I see and have been in historical the last couple suicides that we've had in Colorado Springs. And that's good, but I think what, what you're doing and what we're doing today is, is the best thing we can do as a community uh, for suicide prevention. Yeah, and you wrote, um, you wrote, you wrote something. <laughs> <laughs> what did you write? I, uh, you wrote I, something for Focus on the Family. Yeah, so Focus Magazine, I, have a, uh, just, I printed some copies back there, but you can get online to focus.com. But I wrote a, an article on uh, how to start the conversation with your child about suicide. And so it's just some steps to talk through. You can grab it there, go online and look at it. Um, I'm working, and, and Trevor and I, Trevor is part of a curriculum at, uh, at Focus that's coming out called uh, Live to Thrive. I'm getting ready to write a book on suicide and self-injury that Focus will, will take on. So there's a lot of like really good tools. Alive to Thrive again is that can be that upstream. Uh, let's you know let's do it before the the suicide happens, and then the book that I'm writing is going to be kind of that first aid kit for it. So, uh, but not being afraid to talk about it, I think, is going to be the biggest is the biggest uh, um, success. So you write this article on how to begin to have the conversation with your kids about suicide. I want you to address a myth, and that is if I speak to my kids about fill in the blank, it's going to give them ideas, and then I'm going to be responsible for that. Speak to that. I believe that is the biggest lie of the evil one that you, we could buy into, uh, period. Because how do we do things, or how should we do things? How are we created to do things? We're created to do things in a relationship. And relationship means that we're not afraid to talk about these things. Do, you know, doing it in a way that is along the journey. You look at Deuteronomy, and what Deuteronomy talks about is, you know, as fathers and mothers, we're supposed to be talking about with our kids about these. And I'm not saying these things, yeah. but I'm adding my own. But but talking about who Jesus is in the gospel. But these things are a part of that. And you know, to wait and you know, I'm going to throw this out there, but to wait and talk to your kids about sex mm -hmm. before they have their first date. Is, is again too too late. It should be along uh, the process, age appropriate, of course, but a lot along the process. Yeah. And same with mental health and suicide. You know, don't wait to talk to your kid about suicide after somebody in their school has attempted or completed. 
talk about it in ways that are, are healthy for your family. Again, not every family is going to be the same, right? And so you might be able to have different conversations with your kids and another family because of their maturity or where they are along the journey. But don't be afraid to, to begin those conversations. And, and, and I talk about this in the article, is, is you don't just come out and say, let's talk about suicide, because that's not, 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 not going to be healthy. But let's talk about depression and what it feels like to be sad, and have you felt these things before, and let's talk through that. And, and then you might get to that conversation. But it's, um, Satan is, is keeping families from f- uh, experiencing the fullness of, of God because of those lies. And if we look at our culture, there's information everywhere. Sure. We have access to more information than any other time <laughs> in human existence. And so if we're not, as parents, the ones who are communicating this with our kids, Somebody. they're going to learn it somewhere else. Somebody else will. Whether or not you think that's true, you're, they're going to learn about sex, drugs, suicide, mental illness, self-harm somewhere. It's going to come up, especially nowadays. Um, and I know for me at least, I would rather be able to get ahead of that conversation and be able to give them a foundation so then when they hear it, they say, oh yeah, I know about that, rather than, what's this? It's good. Uh, We're up against the clock, which uh, is a frustration because we could uh, do this for quite some time, and uh, and I'm I'm hoping and praying that this is helpful and, and encouraging and maybe enlightening for some folks out there. Uh, can you guys give us, we're going to hit two things, next steps. Mm-hmm. What, what are the next steps if there is someone uh, present here this morning or they're listening uh, to this podcast later on uh, and they're currently struggling with some form of mental illness and it is live. It's not something I just did a year ago. It's, it's right now. Next steps. What, what do you say to that person? Yeah, so I'm gonna touch on two aspects of that. The first is for that person, um, feel free to reach out to us at Mayfield Counseling Centers because even if we're not the ones who will be able to help you, we wanna help you find somebody who can. Mm -hmm. We wanna be able to interact with you and support you in that. We have a podcast that Dr. Mayfield and I do called Candid Conversations with Dr. Mayfield. That's for people who are currently struggling with mental health and those who just wanna help. Um, And I think that aspect is really important to me especially on this side of my mental health struggles and my crisis, is the best thing that we can do for somebody is just to sit and listen, Mm -hmm. to empathize, to say to someone, it's okay to be sad, let's just be sad together, and to sit with that emotion, because we don't do that well. We really don't. We see that as a bad emotion. We see that as something to be avoided. Rather than something to be validated, you're feeling sad. You're feeling really upset about this thing, and that's okay. And I think that starts with us. That starts with us realizing, okay, if somebody is struggling, is, is it my desire to fix them? And that, that never works, like never works. Um, but to be able to say, you're struggling, can I just be with you? Uh, I love the Jewish tradition of sitting shiva after somebody passes away where they just come over and bring food, and it's usually a week long of laughing and crying and sharing a meal together. And I think we as the church can learn from that. that that's our role um, I'm, I'm going to read Isaiah 61 real quick, if that's okay, but um, I just, uh, God put this on my heart this morning, and this, I think, is our role, is to model Christ as he fulfilled this prophecy, and he says, uh, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor, and not just the, the, the monetarily poor, right, 
Um, he has sent me up to bind the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release the, uh, from the darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort those who mourn and to provide those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them, I love this, a crown of beauty instead of ashes, an oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise. Um, I lost my spot. A garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. And they will be called oaks of righteousness planted of the Lord for the display of his splendor. We can't do this by ourselves. We have to lean into each other and into the Lord. But this should be our response. This should be our next steps with those that are around us that are struggling. But if you're struggling personally, it's okay to raise the white flag and say, I need help. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make you weak. It actually makes you strong. To say, I have something going on with my child that I don't understand, and I feel like a bad parent right now, but I need help. And to have somebody, whether it be a, a, a pastor or a counselor, come alongside you and go, you're not, you're not a bad parent. You just need that support. Um, but to ask for help is a sign of strength. And in a society that contradicts that daily, uh, it's a struggle. Um, but my, the, the courage in standing up and saying, um, please help. I think is the biggest piece. And if you're listening online, I mean, even like Trevor said, just, just email us and we can get you connected whether, wherever you are in the country and try to get you connected with somebody that's going to sit with you. Um, but as the church, what does it look like to reach out to that neighbor or that person sitting next to you right now and go, hey, let's go grab some coffee. I just want to hear what's going on. Yeah. And take courage yeah. to reach out. Yeah. And in a culture where it says you better have your act together, yeah. uh, that the church more and more, we need to be the voice that says it's okay to not be okay. Yeah. Um, Regardless of, of where you fall underneath that umbrella, it's okay to not be okay. Um, I love John Piper, uh, pastor John Piper. He says healthy, healthy churches don't fix. Um, And uh, much like husbands, we have to, we have to kind of curb our wanting to fix it. Mm -hmm. Um, And churches, uh, our job isn't to fix, but to come alongside uh, to your point. Uh, finally, uh, next steps for uh, someone here or listening online that has it, they're not the one struggling, mm-hmm. um, but they have someone who they love dearly, who they know without a shadow of a doubt is struggling with some sort of mental illness, and they are at a point where they are without answers and they are without hope and looking for something. What, what is your word to them? Don't give up, first of all. Be tenacious. Be, be persistent with that person. Uh, and Trevor's story, story is very yeah. prevalent I, with that. But I also think, too, and we can, have, we can talk more at the back table, but um, Mayfield Counseling Centers has partnered with New Life Church in Colorado Springs to put on uh, our second annual Springs Mental Health Conference. And it's a full day, 8 in the morning to 8 at night, of, of training and equipping for lay people in the church to be better caregivers, better supports, and so I think the, the, the best place to start for this church is find out where you feel like you're lacking and, and get training and get support in that. We'd love to have you come down at $69 for the day. Uh, Dr. Caroline Leaf is a cognitive neuroscientist, Christian cognitive neuroscientist that's coming as our keynote speaker, and it's going to be fabulous. And then uh, we're putting uh, together just this night of hope really to inspire uh, the church and our community to, to, to take on this challenge and to, to stand up and take the charge to, to affect our community better. Uh, so be, be equipped in that way. Uh, I think the, the, the conversation podcast that we do is great. 
Um, but if you need tangible resources, feel free in your questions to Brian, um, you know, what's a good book to read for this? And we can create a resource list for you as well um, to, to begin that process. That's great. Uh, I seriously wish we had uh, several weeks to unpack more topics because I, uh, I think it's helpful for, for most of us in this room to, to at least um, approach this topic, but also kind of kick down the walls of uh, what's voodoo in the church, what do we talk about, uh, kind of get rid of this idea of, oh, if you're, if you're a follower of Jesus, then life is just perfect, and you look this way, and you smile this way, and um, kind of tear down some of the lies uh, that the enemy has used the church uh, to progress his lies, and um, I just want you to know that if, if you're struggling, um, you're welcome here. Um, if, if you, if you have something inside or are up in your head that you can't even put into words because it is so convoluted, you're welcome here. If, if you, if you don't have answers and, and you feel like you're hopeless, um, you're welcome here. And, and when I say here, I mean the kingdom of God. Uh, you're certainly welcome here at Rock Creek Church, but you're welcome uh, to the kingdom of God to bring your stuff uh, into his presence. And uh, we need to be that voice that's saying it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, and we'll walk with you yeah. in this. Uh, I'm going to dismiss uh, these two guys. Can we give them a round of applause uh, for being with us? Um, Really thankful for uh, for their time. They came up here for free. Trevor better have come up here for free, but um, come up here for free to to spend the morning with us. And uh, they're going to be at the uh, there. We set up a, a table with a couple of resources, and uh, I I want to beg you at this point. I don't beg very often, but I want to beg you if if you need some resources or you need some direction or or God forbid you are in a place where you have thought about suicide last night or this morning or you had a plan today, please use this as, as God's intervention to say, I love you, uh, you have value, uh, you have worthiness, and uh, please don't. And, and allow this morning to be uh, that kind of, of, uh, kind of a school bus stop sign that causes you to screech. Um, if that's you, we'd love to have that conversation with you. You can just stop by the table super quick uh, with Dr. Mark uh, and with Trevor. You can also uh, come and speak uh, to myself, uh, to Pastor Alex in the back, any of the elders. Um, I don't in any way ever uh, claim to have all the answers uh, or to be an expert. I'm not a trained counselor. Um, but I, I know how to find resources and to help. Um, and the first step is you being willing to help yourself. Uh, but you don't have to do that alone. Uh, we'll, we'll do that with you. Uh, also, uh, just a, a word of encouragement. Uh, love those who are nearest to you. Hug them. Give them a kiss. Um, if you're not into emotions, give them a, a, a fist bump. What, whatever, you, whatever works for you. But convey love uh, to those who you love. Uh, we do not do that enough. Uh, Mark spoke about that in regards to, to not looking at each other in the eyes very often. 
Um, and uh, there might be someone in your life, a friend, a family member, someone who needs to be reminded how much they are near and dear to you. Um, my hope is... Um, my hope is that this morning begins the conversation in the church. And I don't know exactly what that is for us, bless you, but I do know it's a start. I, I do know that uh, this is a conversation that needs to be started in the church globally, but I know it needs to be started in our church. Um, so that it's not something that's whispered behind closed doors, it's something that we're, we're okay with not being okay whether we're a, a young student trying to figure out adolescence and teenage years or we're a, a, an older adult, um, we have to figure out a way to have these conversations and for that to be okay. Um, so again, I want to remind you that if, if this morning stirred some questions or some pushback or you want uh, a further explanation of maybe something that was said, would you please, please, please email me Brian at rockcreekchurch.org. You can do that right now or you can do it later on this afternoon. Um, also want to just remind you about the bake sale for Juarez and for the men's retreat. If you missed that announcement, uh, signups have started. Um, you can sign up now, no deposit or money needed, uh, April 5th through the 7th of 2019. Uh, and it's 150 bucks. We're going to have a great time. And first 22, you guys get your own bed. So uh, please do not delay. It's going to be uh, an incredible time. So uh, heavy morning, um, but, I, but I hope it uh, maybe gave some hope and some clarity and maybe some understanding of the topic. Certainly uh, is not comprehensive, um, but, but at least it's a start. Uh, so would you please stand? Let me uh, do a benediction, a blessing unto you, uh, and really, again, encourage you. Let me encourage you with two last things. One, don't leave super fast. Don't be in a hurry to get in your car and drive away. Continue to build community. Continue to reach out. There might be someone in this room that you need to say hello to that might make their day. Uh, and then please stop by the table. Uh, introduce yourself to Mark and Trevor. They'd love to meet you uh, and find out about their podcasts and counseling resources, etc. cetera. Um, and I love you. Uh, I, I truly, truly love you guys, uh, and so I'm glad you're here. Let's pray together. So, Father, these friends in the room and for those listening online, my prayer is that you would lift their face to the heavens. There are some in this room, both uh, little kids, teenagers, adults, that it is really hard to lift the chin and look to you. And I pray that in your tender mercy, your unbelievably gracious, merciful love, you would reach down and lift our chin to the Father. And that we would see uh, a God looking back at us, not of condemnation or judgment or criticism, but of love and mercy and open arms. God, this is, I believe, what you intended the church to be. The scriptures say that you, you did not come for those who are well, but for the sick. And so we stand before you as a broken people every day in need of more of you. So thanks. Thanks for this opportunity that we've had to broach this subject. Bless my friends in this room. 
Give them a great day. Fill them with your peace, with hope, with some direction, and maybe a couple of answers along the way. Uh, and so we love you. Thank you for your bride, your church. And so, Jesus, we extol you. We, we lift you up. You are the King of kings and Lord of lords. And we all surrender before you. We pray all this in your name. Amen. God bless you. You guys have a wonderful day.